Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. Over the last 10 days, the Bears have had their rookie minicamp. They've cut some kickers. They traded for a kicker. They signed a new linebacker. And that's about it. I'm Russell DeWitt, and today I'm joined by my partners in crime, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett. And with really out any true news to discuss, we wanted to take a week to revive our audio mailbag. And we're glad we did because you all supplied us with some fantastic questions. But before we get and dive into that mailbag, I just want to share a quick programming note. Starting next week, we're going to begin our annual Countdown to Camp Summer Series. And this is where we break down one position a week, priming you on what to expect from and what to watch out for from each in training camp. Last year, we started with the defense, so this year, we will begin by breaking down the Bears' offense. We're really unsure as of right now what position we're going to tackle first, but keep on the lookout for that next week. And of course, if any news occurs, we'll ensure to take some time to discuss that throughout the summer as well. But okay, I think I said enough. Brandon, Nick, are you guys ready to rock and roll and answer some fan questions? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. All right, well, the first question comes from Joey. And here it is. Um, hey guys, it's Joey. Um, I have a two-part question, if that's all right. Uh, my first question is, um, do you think that Trubisky has earned the right to be the franchise quarterback of the Chicago Bears? And my second question, also about Trubisky, is, do you think he has the potential to be the to be um, the MVP this coming season? Not just on the Bears, but for the whole league. Thanks, guys. Wow, two great questions about Mitchell Trubisky entering his third year. Number one, and let's address this first one first. Do we believe that he has earned the right to be the franchise quarterback of the Chicago Bears? And Nick, I'm going to go ahead and hand it to you for this one first. Yeah, I think when you with that with that question, has he earned the right? Absolutely. Remember, he sat his first four games starting his NFL career behind Mike Glennon, had to really earn himself that spot. And ever since then, the Bears have been in a better place since Mitch Trubisky has taken over. And look, last year, being in a new offense, I think he played well under Matt Nagy. The Bears went 12-4, and made it to the playoffs. Does he need to still learn? Absolutely. But he has done 
nothing to discredit him from being the franchise guy. He leads by example, and his teammates really reflect that. So I think in terms, has he earned the right? Absolutely. Mitch Trubisky is here to stay. Uh, you know, it does help when you are the second overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft. The Bears believe in him. I think Chicago believes in him. His teammates believe in him. So he definitely has the right to be the franchise quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I like the word that you use to describe your confidence being absolutely uh, because of my notes here for this question. I just have one word and it literally is absolutely like he has. You talked about all the confidence that fans have, the organization has. And I believe this question probably stems from like the not rumors, but maybe like the chatter that Trubisky is going to get that extension uh, as soon as he possibly can, given the rules with a rookie contract in that situation. So if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, are really willing to extend him so soon, then just imagine where their confidence level is uh, in Mitch for not just right now, but what he can be um, in the immediate and long-term future for this franchise. And of course, he still has room to grow. I mean, you can look out around the league outside of just a few quarterbacks. You can say each and every starter has room to grow one way or another. So for me, uh, when you're looking at Trubisky last year, I can't recall one game where he cost us the game. I remember countless times where he brought us in a position to win a game, and some of his teammates would let him down, whether it be Jordan Howard fumbling at the goal line versus Miami, Cody Parkey missing that overtime kick in Miami, and of course we know about what happened in the wild card game. So for me, uh, Mitch did what he could do in terms of putting us in a position to win, not losing games by himself. And I can think about our last franchise. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Quarterback Jay Cutler, I can think of a few games in which he lost us, and I can't really think of the same for Mitchell Trubisky. So for all those reasons, and Nick, you said it best. Absolutely. He has proven to be the franchise guy. B, are you going to play devil's advocate here? Because if so, I'm just going to mute you. <laughs> I, I sort of thought about it, uh, but you can't really play devil's advocate with this question because he has earned it. And you could say, you know, well, he, he didn't sit behind a veteran guy and learn. Uh, but when you're drafting number two overall, you're kind of given the keys to the car and told not to crash it. And he's he's sort of done that. But you could say he also technically sat a year in John Fox's offense, which was so stagnant, more run heavy. So he's really just taking that year to get adapted to the NFL, used to the speed of the game, things of that nature, and did a really good job uh, of learning Matt Nagy's offense fast. And we've seen how much he progressed from week one all the way to the end of the year in that playoff game. He just improved so much. It's hard to say that he hasn't earned it in two years. I'd like to think, you know, being Mr. Patient, you need a couple more years to earn that kind of stuff, you know. But I think that he's definitely put in his time and he's still got a lot more to learn. Like you guys were saying, there's so much more to the offense because it takes a few years to learn Matt Nagy's system. Uh, but he's just overall posed, always says the right things, uh, always keeps his head in the game is always a positive leader. And that's something that you look for, especially in your franchise quarterback. So he does all the right things. And I could definitely say that I think he's earned this one. All right. So we're all in agreement here. Now let's take it to the next level. MVP, not just of the bears, but the entire NFL. And I'll begin this one because honestly, I don't think it's entirely off base because I can envision a world where he could end up being the MVP. I mean, do I really foresee that being the case? No, but obviously we would all like to be proved wrong there. Um, but if he 
obviously, if he wants to be the MVP or be, would become the MVP, that would uh, require a flawless year from him. And honestly, even if it doesn't happen next season, if he can take another huge step forward in year three and proves that he's continuing to develop, refine his game, master the system, gee, year four, year five, I mean, it's with all this offensive like talent that's starting to surround him, it's a possibility. And obviously, the competition in the league is very serious. Uh, he was outside the top 10 in quarterbacks last year. But if everything clicks, again, maybe he doesn't become an MVP, but he maybe this year the goal should be to be considered as a top 10, maybe a top five sort of guy. And I think, at least to me, that would be pretty acceptable as well. So MVP, is it likely? No. Is it really uh, something to strive for? No. I mean, I don't think his, his season is not going to determine on that by, you know, whatsoever. But could it can it happen? Technically, yeah. I mean, it could. He can blow up this year. He's shown the poise. He's shown the potential. If everything clicks, it's possible. Not real likely, but possible. What about you, Nick? I think saying Mitch Trubisky MVP twenty nineteen. I I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I don't see him putting up Mahomes like numbers, throwing fifty touchdowns. Not a lot of guys do that. The second most touchdowns last year was Andrew Luck with thirty nine. So you see. The, the huge jumpy we even have to make uh, statistically just in touchdowns to even get to where Mahomes was. And not to say that you have to get 50 touchdowns each year to be the MVP. That's not accurate. But I just don't see Mitch putting up those kinds of numbers. Do I expect him to definitely progress in year two of Matt Nagy's system? Absolutely. But a Bears quarterback as an MVP, that just doesn't sound right, to be completely honest. <laughs> Only one Bears player has won the MVP since the award was given out uh, in since ni- 1975, and that's Walter Payton, arguably the greatest, arguably one of the greatest players to ever play the game, obviously the best running back. So to say Mitch Trubisky is going to be the MVP, I I, I don't know. I, not Definitely not next year for me. It would be great, a great goal to strive for, to always want to get better each and every season. And like I said, he'll get better. I just don't see an MVP, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about you, B? <laughs> Uh, I'll play a little devil's advocate here. I'm not even sure that he will be MVP of the Bears in 2019 because Cleo Mack's a pretty darn good player. <laughs> uh, so I I think that it's a little bit of a stretch that he'd even be MVP of the Bears, but I think, Will, you hit it pretty much right on. Uh, if he could strive to be a top-10 quarterback in the league, uh, then I'd say that that's right about an expectation or a realistic goal that he could set for himself this year. So I, I don't necessarily see him being MVP of the Bears or the league. I think... Tom Brady and Drew Brees and some of the other guys kind of have to move on before we can throw Trubisky in that discussion. Needs a little bit more time to season. Uh, but I think that uh, Cleo Mack will be more of the MVP of the Bears and Trubisky's still looking out. Well, hey, guys. The thing is, we don't need him to be the MVP, though. Not no, this team that the Bears not. have. It's a good Bears team. He just needs to be, well, obviously he needs to get better, but he doesn't need to be that player in order for the Bears to win a championship. That's not That's not the 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 key right now other teams need their quarterbacks to be their best player the bears solid team this is one of the better rosters in the whole entire nfl you don't need an mvp quarterback and boy that's a good feeling to have yes it is <laughs> but hey anything is possible he can blow expectations out of the water and again the likelihood is very slim but the fact remains it could happen which i like to question i like the optimism there all right let's move on to our second question and this one comes from isaac Hey, this is uh, Isaac Siegel up here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, great fan of the show. And uh, just calling to ask you guys what you guys think that, um, I guess this question is for 
um, Nicholas, maybe, um, Mariano, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But if what Mitch Trubisky needs to do in order to show that he is performing well by himself and not just performing well because of the system. What are the, the specific kind of things that you need to look for in order to see that he's making the development as a quarterback and not just development in a system? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Isaac, for the great question. And, Nick, I was going to start with you, but he did, he said it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't no. matter. So no. you guys take it. <laughs> he addressed no. He addressed you, and I have some answers, but I want to see what you have first. So go ahead. Yeah. So a couple things that I'll be looking for from Mitch Trubisky uh, now going into year three of his NFL career to show that he's actually developed as a quarterback, and it's not a product of just a system. It's just how he reads the field. Look, people are going to be open in this offense, but Trubisky needs to still be able to diagnose, evaluate the defense, and determine where he should go. So obviously he's going to have reads one, two, and three, but maybe a particular defense takes away that first read. It's still up to Trubisky to take the mental notes, know what a defense is throwing at him and make the right decision. So that's just one thing I'll be looking for from Trubisky. Um, And then another thing, comfortability in the pocket. We saw sometimes rookie year and in year two, he would maybe run or escape the pocket a little early and where he could have maybe stepped up and delivered a strike. So I want to see him continue, and I we saw some good things last year, to look comfortable in the pocket. Then the last thing for me to show that he's actually developing as a quarterback is just working on those mechanics with him being comfortable or if he's um, in distress with the pressure coming at him, just work on the mechanics. There were times where he would have a stiff leg as he's throwing. That's going to throw a ball off, whether it's high or low or just inaccurate in general. So I want to see him be able to work on those mechanics throughout the process of, of a play, whether or not he's being rushed or if he just has a clean pocket, be able to, to deliver an accurate throw, you know, keep the offense on the field. So those are just three things in particular I'm going to be looking for just to show that Mitch Trubisky is developed from that rookie season where we know with John Fox, it wasn't as you, you didn't see as much, but to year three, we're going to see this growth as, as a quarterback. The fact that I've heard John Fox's name twice in this show and we're over a year <laughs> removed, guys, I swear. I swear. It's a whole different world now. Let's live in it. But no, for real, uh, Nick, good stuff there on Mitch. I have a few things that I think complement yours pretty well. Uh, number one, I'd like to see Mitch have a better understanding of what the defense is doing pre-snap, making the adjustments at the line, and turn those into successes. And of course, like you mentioned uh, going through those reads, finding the right receiver with a little bit more relative ease. It seemed like last year when reads one and two went away, he did have a hard time going further down his progression. And I do, I want to say that it's going to be part of him mastering the system as well, but it doesn't really take away that he is also progressing as a quarterback. Uh, secondly, ball placement, getting guys in a better position to gain more yards after the catch and better placement on some anticipation throws. And I think we can all agree that Mitch, one area of his game that we know he needs to address, or I would say refine, is going to be his deep ball accuracy. We saw it in the camp last year. It's not, you know, it's not money all the time. I think he got better as the season went along, though. But better deep ball accuracy overall. And then, like you mentioned, Nick, better decision-making. And I think you can have that for every quarterback in the league. But just seeing some of those things, to me, uh, would prove – uh, that he is on the correct trajectory, which, again, I really do anticipate to see all three of these by next season or throughout next season. What about you, B? Anything else that you can add to this fire? 
I, I first of all I had a hard time answering this question because a quarterback is really I think a product of a system. So granted, uh, the smarter you are, the better of a quarterback you're going to be, the better leader that you are because you're confident, you're out there, you know what you're doing. So that's something that we really want to see him continue to improve on is his football IQ. Uh, like you said, knowing where his guys are going to be, and it helps uh, to having guys that are, are playmakers running clean, efficient routes, being able to to burn guys. Before. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Where they even get the ball. Uh, so a lot of that, I think, it, it's hard to judge a quarterback based when guys can get themselves open and then the system helps on top of that. So I, I really want to see Mitch continue to improve his football IQ, uh, his leadership. And the deep ball actually is one thing that he absolutely can't control well that you touched on as well, so I won't... Uh, drag that one on too much but a lot of it you know just mechanics things that he can control being a leader taking control of the huddle things he does very well already uh, but just needs to continue to improve on that and you know the one thing you always hear with the greats with you know Tom Brady Drew Brees uh, Peyton Manning is how much time they spent in the film room studying their opponent once we start hearing those stories about Mitch how much time he's putting into committing himself to studying the opponent studying his offense things of that nature then he'll really start to come around and we can say that he's taken that next step and the good news is I think we've heard some of these stories already about Mitch, right. which is a testament to his work ethic, his character, and what kind of leader he is, which, again, it's even though we always say he's a very strong leader right now, don't be stagnant. Try to get better at it. And I think he is, and I think he will. All right, guys, moving on to the next question. This one comes from Devon. Hey, guys. My name is Devon. Um, huge fan of the show. I uh, just had a quick question for you. Um, so with Mitchell Trubisky um, throwing, I know he threw about 20, I, th- I believe he threw 24 touchdowns, um, had 12 interceptions last year. Uh, with that said, my question to you guys is, um, how much of a leap do you think that Mitchell Trubisky can actually take this year? Um, I know we need him to step up a whole lot, um, is it realistic to ask for, you know, maybe 10 more touchdowns, maybe five less interceptions? Um, <laughs> but uh, if you can answer that for me, I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you much, guys. Bye-bye. All right, so so far it is the Mitchell Trubisky show on the audio mailbag, but I promise <laughs> we have some other topics coming our way here. But this is a good question, and I do believe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here because we do tend to kind of keep these projections for our Countdown to Camp shows. But I think we should at least entertain uh, Devon here. And, Nick, I'd be curious for you to kind of kick this one off because I don't know why. I just feel like you would be a good guy to do it. <laughs> All right, uh, so 10 more touchdowns. So if Mitch Trubisky would add 10 more touchdowns to his previous total of 24 Obviously, he'd be at 34 touchdowns. That would be tied for fifth last year with Ben Roethlisberger. You know what? I don't know if that is maybe where I project Mitch Trubisky. I was thinking more so he was tied for 14th in the league with those 24 touchdowns, okay? I'm thinking, can Mitch Trubisky get into the top 10 with passing touchdowns? So all he would have to do, the 10th most touchdowns thrown last year, was from Tom Brady with 29. So... Obviously, that's five away from Trubisky. Remember, he also missed two games last season. So if you were to factor that into the equation, 
I think that's more of a realistic kind of position for Mitch to maybe be around that top 10 in passing touchdowns, as opposed to throwing 10 more uh, from his previous 24 total fifth most touchdowns in the league. I know I expect Mitch Trubisky and a lot of us do uh, to have a really uh, jump this season, this season, as opposed to last season, but I don't know about fifth most in the league. Obviously numbers will change from year to year, but I think if he can get into the top 10 for touchdown passes, that's great for Mitch Trubisky. There's progress being made tied for 14th, jumping up four spots, get number 10, maybe even better than that. But I think that's more of a realistic, um, maybe approach for the touchdowns than interceptions, um, throwing, what was it? Seven less or five less. Sorry. That would put him at seven. So he would have been tied with five quarterbacks for last year. And here are the guys, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Nathan Peterman's on this uh, on this list too. <laughs> Had he played more games, uh, he wouldn't have seven, that's for sure. And then C.J. Beathard, uh, go Hawks. Um, but I think that if you were to do something like that, throw seven, that, that would be a great number to have. But as long as you can get that double digits interception to single digits, I'm fine with that. Um, Aaron Rodgers threw two. That was the least out of uh, among starting quarterbacks. That's kind of a hard number to get to, especially being an established uh, veteran quarterback in the league. But if he can just take that number to single digits, I'm fine with uh, Mitch Trubisky and his interception total for next year being obviously if he can go lower, that's great. But if he can get it out of the double digits for interceptions, that'd be a good goal for him to have for 2019. Now, when I'm looking at this, and I did some very similar research here, but what something that really caught my eye about Mitch is his touchdown percentage of his throws, and it more than doubled from year one to year two. It was actually just shy of tripling. Now, obviously, that's a trend that's never going to be sustained in the NFL. He's not going to be able to throw uh, touchdowns in over, like 12% of his throws. It's just not going to happen unless he rarely throws, which is, then we have some bigger problems on our hands. But when I'm looking at the 10 more touchdowns per year, it's not unrealistic because how many times last year did the Bears stall as soon as they crossed the 50? There's so many missed opportunities last year that I think we can all agree they're a play or two short from sustaining that drive, marching down, and then once you get down to the red zone, anything can happen. So for me, 10 more touchdowns, not going to be my expectation but it's something that can definitely happen if the Bears offense, which I believe it will be, especially with adding more dynamic players to it, uh, especially like a running back in David Montgomery, uh, is going to be more efficient and be able to capitalize and convert more points compared to what they did a year ago. And then for touchdowns, uh, you're talking about it, Nick. Getting down to the single digits would be great. And instead of looking at actual numbers for me, because it does matter based off of attempts, you talk about games like Peterman's on that list, and he didn't even play that many games. Uh, last year, Mitchell Trubisky's interception percent was 2.8, meaning he was throwing an interception on 2.8% of his throws. The Aaron Rodgers thing you mentioned, I think it was like 0.1%. Phenomenal. I mean, that's, you're, it's going to be very hard for anyone to replicate that. But for me for, and for Mitch, I like to see that number drop down to or below about 2% overall. That gets him in the top half of the league because he was 23rd last year in percent. That would get him about 14th. And I think that would be a success. And again, if he's adding at least five to seven plus more touchdowns a year and coupling that by dropping below 2% with his interceptions, that's a fantastic year for Mitchell Trubisky. So for me, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I know, Brandon, you were a little eh, on your number research before coming into this. Anything you want to add here or do you want to move on to the next question? Uh, yeah, I want to add, I think that Nick's point about getting to 30 touchdowns is be about right. Because one thing you got to keep in mind from last year, <clears throat> well, even with Mitch missing two games, I'm kind of taking out the outlier game 
uh, against Tampa Bay where he threw for six. You know, that's not mm-hmm. going to happen. You know, that happens once a season, apparently. You know, and there's other quarterbacks that don't even do it. Uh, so you take away a couple of those and put it with the rest of the, the average touchdowns that he throws, you know, between, I'll say, two roughly a game, uh, just kind of roughly looking at a stat list. Uh, that You know, that puts you at about 32. So I think if he averages two touchdowns a game, you know, that gets you 32 for the year. So I think 30 sounds about right. And then also, again, with the single interceptions, uh, single-digit interceptions for the year sounds just about right as well. The issue with that is, though, is with – Will, you brought about, talked about adding like a David Montgomery, adding like a Riley Ridley to this offense uh, to be able to fill the, the fourth wide receiver spot, more dynamic players. Uh, we can tell that this offense is going to be more pass heavy. So with more attempts uh, adds to the probability of him throwing more interceptions. And I don't think he's going to exceed 12 interceptions this year. I think that he's going to, you know, like I said earlier, he's going to grow, be a better leader, be able to pick up his progressions, learn defenses a little bit better still, uh, and he'll be able to find his guys in the offense and be able to get guys open. So I don't see him exceeding 12, but the probability of him throwing more interceptions goes up with it being a more pass-happy offense. So I'm going to hover around 12 interceptions still. All right. I still think interception percent is a big number to look at there compared to just overall interceptions. Just want to say it one more time before we move on. All right, so we aren't even halfway done yet. I know there's a lot of Mitch talk to kind of start off this show, but we have plenty more topics to get to. But before we get to those, I need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make it getting to the actual event difficult on purpose? It's easy. It's like they're so big that they don't even care about the customer experience. And with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. In an industry that tends to get stagnant, SeatGeek decides to stand out from the crowd. And why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, A, a quick look at the App Store shows that over 50,000 five-star reviews. And how's that for customer satisfaction? But SeatGeek in general, it's a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then SeatGeek rates each deal on a scale to one to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And the best part of all is that all of us here, well, maybe this isn't the best part, but a good part about it is we all do use the Seeky app here at the Chicago Audible. Uh, we've had it for years, and I really love how you can sort by value, set your budget, so you can really look at the best tickets uh, for the price that you're willing to pay. It's by far the easiest and fastest way that we've been able to find tickets. And in fact, I was looking at the app right before we went live uh, for the Chicago Bears versus the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the game that we've all decided that we're going to be going to for our annual meetup and, of course, our annual Bears game at Soldier Field. Nick does like to slide in a few extra ones from time to time on us, but that's okay. Uh, That's besides the fact. But we're going to go see the Bears versus the Chiefs. We'd love for you to go there as well. And again, if you can't go to that one, uh, check out all the Bears games from preseason, the away games, all the home games as well. I think I saw for the Chiefs games, uh, the earliest tickets were starting about $150, which is a pretty good deal. Sunday Night Football, December 22nd, Soldier Field. Bears Chiefs doesn't get much better than that. Hopefully you can join us there. And the best part of all is that SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. We are sitting here going through our first audio mailbag of the offseason. We just had three, four, five questions on Mitchell Trubisky, depending on uh, the two-parters that people are asking. And it's time to move on 
And this next question comes from Brandon, and no, not my co-host. Hi, my name is Brandon Viado. I listen to you guys a lot. I like what you guys do. But uh, I have two questions. So my first question is, David Montgomery, do you think he's going to have uh, a starting role right away, or do you think he's going to kind of just ride along and then slowly get started, kind of like, and get his opportunities like Kareem Hunt did for injuries or whatnot? And then my second question is, do you think Riley Ridley is going to take a roster spot and make Javon Wins go back on the practice squad or whatnot? Thanks. Good questions there from Brandon. Apparently it sounded like from a racetrack, if I can hear the background correctly. (laughs) Uh, So both on our rookies here, uh, actually our first two picks, Montgomery and Ridley. So Brandon, going over to you, David Montgomery, do you see him kind of being the starting back right away? How do you kind of approach this? Well, I'm taking Terry Cohen out of the option to be a starter because he's such a wild card. We've seen him line up in multiple different positions, so I'm not really counting him as a potential starter. So that really leaves David Montgomery and Mike Davis. And I think that the edge ultimately is going to come down to David Montgomery Uh, Just the way that he plays, uh, he's just so slippery. He's broken so many tackles. You guys have watched all the tape already. Just an explosive player, a playmaker guy that uh, I think is is needed for this Matt Nagy offense coming out of the backfield. Jordan Howard was that that banger between the tackles. Uh, Here's Montgomery now who is a little more slippery and knows where his holes are supposed to be and where the secondary one's at. And We see that with his vision when you watch the tape. He's very quick to be able to change directions, and I think that that's something that's going to play – uh, very well in his hand when it comes time to coming down for that starting role. I think that David Montgomery having that ability to see the extra hole, make those moves over a Mike Davis who's who's quick but is also more between the tackles guy. I think Montgomery being, being more of that explosive playmaker plays a lot more in his hand. All right. For me, I mean, I, I put Cohen in here as well. Uh, last year he averaged 6.2 carries per game. Uh, looking at Davis, he averaged 7.5 carries a game. And obviously uh, the initial thought was that Davis would have a bigger kind of role in this offense before, of course, we drafted Montgomery. I think it's going to be maybe a closer split out of the gate, um, but I do expect, honestly, week one, I don't know if the Bears are going to have a quote-unquote starting running back, depending on how they want to utilize them. But if you're looking who's going to be taking the bulk of the carries, I think it's going to be easily Montgomery. Uh yeah, I don't think there's really too much debate here. Nick, do you think there is? I don't think so. I could put my money on when the first snap of the game comes against Green Bay uh, under the lights. It's going to be Montgomery in the backfield. Um, but Brandon did make a good point. Brandon, the one who asked the question. You always make <laughs> great points, though, Brandon. Um, Spencer Ware got injured last season. That's why, or two seasons ago, and that's why Kareem Hunt was able to get his start and able to get his role. Um, he also mentioned in the question kind of uh, – get the role of solely. So Kareem Hunt, I looked at his first couple of games in the, in the league just to see how uh, Matt Nagy was using him. Uh, he started off the season with 17 rushing attempts, 13 rushing attempts, and then 17. So back-to-back games. And he went over 100 yards in two of those games. So, I mean, I think, obviously, what now? three going to be three years removed from that. But I still see David Montgomery being the focal point of uh, the Bears running back situation in the backfield. You're going to see a lot of guys in and out there. You can also throw Cordell Patterson in there at at times. So there's going to be a lot of guys there. But Matt Nagy finally has the running back that he's envisioned, that he wants in this offense. So it's going to complete it. And uh, you got to bet. 
Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. That he's going to want to put him out there as much as possible. Both him and Mike Davis are learning the offense at the same time. So that gives the advantage to whoever just shows up better in camp. And we saw what David Montgomery could do. Obviously, uh, we all like him here. He was uh, just the perfect running back for his offense. So I just think when it comes down to camp, who's going to show up? It's going to be Montgomery. I think he's just going to be a solidified starter right from the very beginning. You just piggyback off the headline of your article. I did. <laughs> I, I have to. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, moving on to Riley Ridley, I'll start off. I mean, first and foremost, Riley Ridley is going to make this roster. You're not going to stash your fourth-round pick on a practice squad, especially someone like you know, Ridley who had a round two to kind of three grade on him. Obviously, the Bears are very high on him and his ability. And again, this isn't really a knock on Javon Wims. It's just really a numbers game. And you have Robinson, Miller, Gabriel, Patterson, Ridley, and Wims. Who knows? They could keep six. And I don't think they're going to rule that out of the equation just yet. But obviously, the coaches are going to be the ones that decide what's best. But again, all my money, if I'm playing poker, all my chips are going to the center of the table that Riley Ridley is making this roster week one. No questions asked. What about you, B? Yeah, I'm on that same boat, and unfortunately, I th- I think Javon Wims ends up back on the practice squad. Uh, if he's eligible, I gotta refresh myself on the practice squad rule. Okay, uh, and I think part of that's because I think it's my call, the guy we got from Atlanta in free agency this year. He's gonna have to be able to contribute on special teams, so they're gonna gotta make a roster spot for him too. So, not that he's gonna get much much playing time. Uh, the guy from Atlanta. Uh, he'll get his time on special teams, but they got to make room for Riley Ridley. I agree with you guys that he's going to be able to to find his way onto his roster. Just he's such a clean route runner. Uh, he's going to be able to be a huge contribution to the passing game. Yeah, you're not stashing your second pick of the draft on the practice squad. It's just not going to happen. And yes, uh, Marvin Hall. Marvin Hall. I, we didn't. I, Nick and I. I don't know if we we. Well, I heard Nick say it, but I don't know if you heard Nick mention it. But it's not a big deal whatsoever. Um, but Nick, over to you. Any thoughts on Riley Ridley? Yeah, he's absolutely going to make the the fifty three man roster. And I just went back and looked at the history since Ryan Pace has been here. How many receivers they've kept, and it's going to look a little different now because running back there might be one more than we're usually uh, used to seeing on a fifty three man roster. But since uh, he got here in twenty fifteen, Ryan Pace. He's had six receivers on that roster in 2015, six receivers in 2016, five receivers in 2017. There was no one to throw to. That's why Mitch, uh, you know, season <laughs> didn't, won't, won't mention the guy who was ahead of that uh, season. And then 2018, <laughs> six receivers. So I think that's what you're probably going to look at for this season, about six. And, you know, Robinson, Gabriel, Miller, uh, Cordero Patterson. Riley Ridley, and it's really going to come down to Javon Wims or Marvin Hall for that last spot. Look, Marvin Hall signed a one-year contract for $645,000. It's not a significant amount, and unless he's going to be a huge contributor on special teams, we know he's a burner. I just don't know if he's actually going to be the guy that makes it. When I see Wims, he's a bigger receiver. He can be a gunner. He can go out and make tackles. Hall's not that guy. He's a smaller type of guy, and if 
Cordero Patterson, which he is, going to be the primary kick returner? What is Hall's role on special teams? So that's why I think when it comes down to it, whoever has a better camp, if it's Wims or Hall, is going to get that last spot for the sixth man on the wide receiving core. Um, I just don't – I there's not a very big commitment to Hall. It was right. a one-year contract, and Cordero Patterson we know is a kick returner, and there will probably be other guys that are in there, and Hall will probably get his uh, chances, but it's going to be Cordero Patterson's job you have to contribute elsewhere on special teams. So that's why it's going to be Wims or Hall that gets that sixth spot uh, for the wide receiver group. There we go. Lots of confidence in Riley Ridley, which I think is fair and very much warranted. All right, guys, moving on to our next question. It comes from Everett. Hey, this is Everett Avansky calling from the Eastern Shore of Maryland. And my question is, why aren't the Bears – uh, pursuing Cole Tracy out of LSU. It seems like we're uh, trying out every kicker between here and uh, East Timbuktu, but you know Cole <laughs> seems like he's a super strong kicker, basically uh, the second strongest in this draft class. Just wondering um, if you've heard anything. Why aren't we uh, giving him a shot? Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, I want to just say thank you, Everett. Uh, I know that you did submit this question before he signed with the Saints this week, but I do think that this is still worth discussing for a minute uh, in terms of why the Bears didn't bring him in because you said it, from here to East Timbuktu, every kicker in the land has came through Chicago so far. Uh, for me, my gut, it tells me that the Bears really just thought there were better options out there. They met with Cole Tracy at the Senior Bowl. They got to know him. I know that his leg strength is average, and perhaps they are prioritizing leg strength uh, more right now, or is there a high priority on that leg strength? Other than that, I haven't heard anything. There's no red flags. Uh, he was very productive in college. He was known to be the top one. Uh, I know he wasn't drafted, but he was either you know consensus one or two kicker out of this draft class. There had to be a reason. I mean, they met with him. There's some sort of reason why the Bears decided to go the other way. Unfortunately, I'm not in Ryan Pace's ear. I'm not flying the wall. I can't tell you the exact reasoning, but really my gut would just say they were worried about his lack of leg strength. That's just what my instincts are telling me here about Cole Tracy. Nick, Brandon, anything else you want to mention? This is a good time to talk about kickers if you want. Go ahead, I think Brandon. that this whole kicking thing is real interesting, the way that they've they've handled it. And first of all, I did have a Purdue guy on the tryout team, Spencer Evans. Kicker. How'd he do? Didn't, didn't make it. Oh, okay. But <laughs> wow. he was there. So just had to throw that out there. Um, but no, it, Will, I don't know if you remember this at all. Uh, I think this was maybe before we started the podcast. I don't remember. Um, but the, the Bears brought in a, a left-footed punter that was better than O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, we were like, Chris why Way. don't they? Yeah. We were like, why don't they keep him? And then they ended up cutting him. And since then, I've like had wavering confidence. And I know the special teams coordinators have changed since then and, and things of that nature. But I haven't been very confident in the Bears finding that special teams ace, I guess, whether it be a punter or a kicker, especially since Robbie left. Right. Hey, B, real uh, quick, I just want to mention, I think it was Way versus Adam Podlish that year. Was it? Okay, I can't yes. remember. It's been a while. I understand. But uh, regardless, you know, since then, because Way was just such a solid punter, it was weird. You know, we're sitting across the field and we're watching these bombs just soar up in the air. We're like, who is that guy? You know, so... Since they didn't sign him, I can say that my confidence in finding a uh, a specialist punter, kicker, whatever, has wavered. So I don't really know what the Bears are 
are at as far as their kicking scouting goes. And I, I know it's not easy to do. So I basically, I don't know. I, don't I just think thought that, do. was, I thought that was interesting. That, yeah, I was doing a flashback today, and that's what came to my mind when I seen this question. Nick, anything you want to add? I know there is another question coming up about the new kicker as well. So if you have thoughts on him, we can pause on that. But anything on the Colt Tracy, no interest in him? Yeah, I don't know why the Bears weren't. I mean, they had eight kickers at camp just last weekend. So he obviously didn't make the cut. So, I, yeah, I don't understand why not. But, I mean, they already had eight. It's like you're you're overdoing it at this point. If you're just trying to bring every kicker and their grandmother to camp, it's just not going to work out. Just go with your select number that you like, that you think can maybe provide competition. You single out the few, and you move on. But I don't know why Cole Tracy didn't get um, the call to come into Bears camp and, you know, compete for that job. But it's over and done with now. The Bears have three kickers, and we're about to talk about one of them. All right. Very well said. Moving on to the next question. It comes from JB. JB, we don't know, but we're going to figure <laughs> it out as we go. Feel free to let us know exactly what your name is so we can give you some credit here. But either way, I think we have it correct and then incorrectly as well. But here's the question. <laughs> how's it going, Bear Bro? Oh, I almost said it. Um, how's it going? <laughs> it's JB here. And I have a quick question for you, possibly a two-parter. Um Jamie Cole, we hired him to be like a special teams consultant. And um, you know what? He's worked with some really good kickers. And um, he's actually worked with, I don't know how to really pronounce the name, but I think it's Pinero, um, our new kicker. He's actually worked with him. And if you've seen his um, his cool video on YouTube, he, yeah, the guy has pinpoint accuracy. So my first question is, uh, what's your thoughts on that? And um, my second question for you guys is, uh, how do you feel about our uh, pass rusher depth? Because I was really expecting uh, us to grab somebody in the draft, you know, anybody, somebody on the defensive line, just so we could have behind uh, Khalil Mack and possibly Leonard Floyd if they go down. I mean, I know, I know we got Leonard or uh, Aaron Lynch, excuse me, but uh, how do you guys feel about our depth behind them? Thank you, and bear down. B, was your mic falling over there? Was it? I don't know. You're jingling it during the whole thing. Oh, not during the whole <laughs> thing. I don't think I, I was trying to move it so I could type on the computer real fast. But for shame, for shame, Nick, over to you. Brandon's in timeout. Yeah. So about Jamie Cole, um, I mean, I think it's a smart move that the Bears would bring a kicking consultant because obviously they they have some issues at that position and they need to bring in you know, whatever or whoever it is to maybe solve those. But I never thought I'd be saying this. Um, he did do his kicking at Iowa State. And all I have on Jamie Cole is that I'm hoping that, you know, these Iowa State alums, obviously everyone knows I went to Iowa. There's a flag right there, um, can help out this team with Jamie Cole and obviously David Montgomery. But that's all I have on Jamie Cole. As uh, for Eddie Pinheiro, like the last name, still have to wait and see. We see all these hype, these these videos of these 81-yard field goals or these the strong leg. That's great. Fantastic. No one's going to be attempting an 81-yard field goal in any game at any moment ever. It's just not possible. The, the trajectory that you have to kick it at, really low, successful to a block, just not going to happen. But he did have success at Florida, which is why a lot of Bears fans, I think, are you know optimistic about Pinheiro maybe being the guy to 
just solve these issues that the Bears have had. I mean, he set a record for accuracy in two seasons at Florida, making 38 of 43 field goals. He made 29 of his last 30 field goals at Florida. Um, just a little extra background on why he's now on the Bears. He was placed on IR after a groin injury last season, and now the Bears obviously make that trade to bring him here for a, what, it was a conditional seventh-round pick in 2021. And if anyone's mad about that, come on. A seventh-round conditional pick in 2021? Just stop. But again, I think that Pinheiro, a guy that a lot of people have hope in, and I might as well bring this up. Uh, Kay Adams, she posted a video on Pinheiro. She did a profile on him about a year ago saying this is a guy that you might have to watch out for. Um, some background information. Pinheiro didn't attempt a field goal in high school. He was actually a soccer star, and he actually turned down a scholarship from Nick Saban. This guy, you know, it takes uh, – Takes a lot of confidence to do that. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. But um, Kay Adams, she tweeted, hey, Chicago, meet your new kicker, the kid who said no thanks to Nick Saban. I replied, hopefully, and this is on Twitter, hopefully you could be the solution to the Bears kicking woes. And she sounds confident. You bet your doinks he is. So hopefully, Pinheiro is the guy that can just solve this kicking situation. But like I said, I have to wait and see. All these uh, 81-yard field goals and these, you know, things that, won't happen in a game. Great. Let's see when the pressure's on. You're under the lights. Can you make the kick? Yeah, good stuff there, Nick. I mean, for me, if the new consultant worked with him in the past, Pinero, and obviously uh, had a strong enough opinion to persuade the front office and the coaching staff to make this trade, how can that not excite you as a Bears fan? I know that he's not a lock, um, but the familiarity that he has with Cole is going to help. And all he has to do is beat the other guys at camp. So really for me, uh, it's one of those things where Ryan Pace says they're going to leave no stone go unturned. This is another proof of that, more evidence for it. And I just like adding in a new leg after making some cuts after minicamp, some fresh blood, keep the other guys on their toes as well. So who's who knows who's going to end up winning? I hope they bring all the kickers to camp. Just let's bring them all the training <laughs> camp. We'll have a spectacle. It's going to be a great time to do it. Um, but, Brandon, I know that you kind of already put in your two cents on the kicking situation as a whole. Uh, and for time purposes, I think starting you uh, with your confidence and pass rush depth would be perfect. I'm skeptical. Uh, I mean, Aaron Lynch, we know what he can do. He was a surprise last year, which is really nice. Brings a lot of power, brings a lot of energy when he's healthy. Uh, but that being said, now we're putting a lot of weight on Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz as far as their progression goes. And Isaiah Irving, he's shown flashes in training camp and in preseason. And same with Kylie Fitz as well in the one year that we've seen him so far. Uh, but I think there's a lot of a lot of weight, a lot of pressure riding on those two guys. And I think that's, that's good for them. Uh, sometimes you need that little bit of stress to be able to elevate and bump your game up, put a little bit of pressure on. Uh, but at the same time, they've got to be able to perform uh, when their number is called on. And granted, these are just going to be rotational guys. They're not going to see a, a whole lot of the field. But my confidence level right now, like I said, it's it's kind of skeptical because they haven't shown us yet uh, what they can do as far as a pass rushing standpoint. So I'm I'm a little nervous myself. Yeah, I'm in the concern category. I mean, we've talked about it all offseason. We've had edge as one of the bigger needs for the Bears. As what we have, I am intrigued to see with the undrafted free agent, uh, the edge rusher out of Canada, uh, Matthew Betts, what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, Steve and I, we talked about his measurables and potential on that uh, UDFA recap show. Um, but still, he's not a guaranteed really to help the position this year. Uh, the good news is 
and I'm going to say good news, but it's kind of lightly. We do have the same unit from last year, Mac, Floyd, Lynch, Irving, Fitz. The only difference is no Sam Acho, and he was hurt most of last season. So it's not like we're in terrible shape. I think we can all disagree that we thought there was going to be some better depth at the position by this point. So we just have those questions that we've been asking for about a year. I know, can Kylie Fitz make a jump? Potentially. I still have some doubts. Can Isaiah Irving do the same? Again, not overly optimistic. But obviously, I think the Bears coaching staff is. Uh, they're confident in what they have in this depth, or else I think it would have been addressed. And I think let's hope that it's enough. And again, don't rule out Ryan Pace bringing someone. Maybe they get cut from training camp or something like a veteran cut due to a contract or due to this lack of performance. Maybe. I mean, overly, I'm concerned. But at the same time, obviously the Bears coaches have confidence or else the Bears would have, I'd say, attacked this position just a little bit harder. Anything else you want to add, Nick? Uh, I actually feel kind of confident in Ooh. the guys that they have behind Damn. the pass rushers. Yeah. Um, I think a big move, an underrated move, was really bringing back Aaron Lynch on that one-year deal. I really liked what he did last season. He was able to get 16 tackles, three sacks, an interception, and I was actually at that game uh, against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, four tackles for loss, and he started three games um, when Khalil Mack, I think it was like a mixture of both with Floyd and Mack, whoever was injured at the time. But it's it's encouraging that he's back and you have young guys in Isaiah Irving, only 24 years old. Aaron Lynch is still young himself, 26 and Kylie Fitz, 24. So these guys still have room to grow. And I think the big thing here too, it's going to be a very important year for Leonard Floyd, especially since the bears pick up that fifth year option. He's going to have to ball out and he's hopefully, you know, knock on wood here, doesn't have any kind of injuries with his hand because that really slowed him down in the beginning so I think if you have these two really playing their game and you have uh, the other guys, the younger guys come in on, you know, obvious passing down situations, that's going to prove um, exponential for them to have success. So I'm all right with the depth. I know we all expected them to bring somebody in, but I think uh, underrated move, really bringing back Lynch and let's see these two young guys and Irving and Kylie Fitz continue to grow. They've shown some flashes and then they've showed some times where, Yes, you are. You're young. You need to learn and develop from, especially the veterans that are in front of you. So I'm all right with it. Hopefully, the starters stay, you know, relatively healthy for twenty nine for the twenty nineteen season. But I'm all right with the depth. Well, yeah. Hopefully, everything pans out exactly how you just ended that. All right. One last question, and it comes from Christian. Hey guys, this is Christian from Indiana. I had a two part question. Uh, the first one being, what kind of numbers do you think Mitch will have this year in order to make it seem like he has a, had a good season? Uh, so passing yards, touchdown, the interception ratio, and then maybe uh, rushing touchdowns. And then for my second question, um, I wanted to know if you guys believe that Duke Shelley will take over the nickel position. Um, I think I would like that. I think every Bears fan would like that, but uh, I was wondering what you guys thought. Uh, thank you, and bear down. All right. Well, I think we can all agree that we've answered the Mitch question. I don't think we need to rehash that one. Christian, if you didn't miss it by chance, check out the top of the show. It was the Mitchell Trubisky half hour there with the first questions before uh, before we broke off to the second half here of the show. Uh, so the next question, Duke Shelley, can he win the nickel position? Brandon, you're first. I, I think he can. It sounded like he had a really good rookie minicamp. 
so I I'm encouraged by those positive results that we heard about. And I was also too watching some some Bears film earlier, and Anthony Miller beat Buster Screen uh, for a touchdown there in the back of the end zone on one of those plays. So that kind of puts into perspective where Screen's at. I know he's more of an aggressive corner, and he's going to get beat from time to time. That was kind of his uh, his knock when he was there in New York, and we and we seen in that Bears game. Because uh, Anthony Miller beat him for a touchdown there, obviously. Um, so I, I think that Duke Shelley's got a got a real chance here. Uh, it sounds like he just is was on the ball really in rookie minicamp. You watch some of his tape; he's he's got this aggressive mentality to him. Uh, he does not take losing very well. Uh, you see it, especially. Uh, I seen a video today of him going up in a running situation against a much bigger wide receiver, and he's able to beat him and force the guy out of bounds. So he's got that will, that fight, that drive. Uh, that you want in a defensive guy. And he's going to be one of those guys that's just consistently around the ball, uh, which is something we say about the linebackers all the time. And I think Duke Shelley's just going to continue to follow that uh, as a nickel corner. And I think that he will end up winning the job at the end of the day. All right. All right. Bold statement there by B. How about you, Nick? Are you going as bold as Nick? I mean, go, well, maybe you can. <laughs> maybe you can. As bold as Brandon? It'd be tough. It would be tough. Whatever. Um, Buster Screen's <laughs> going to probably be the starter. When you look at it, he signed a three-year, just over $16 million contract with the Bears. I think they have him projected as a starter. And when he was a free agent in 2015, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were kind of looking into him, saying if they could possibly get him. There were talks that were happening. And then when uh, they played him just last season, um, Again, they had high regards. Matt Nagy did, saying he's one of the better nickel corners in the league. So there was this praise for for Buster Screen, and I know Duke Shelley, and I think we all envision him probably being a you know future starter. But I wouldn't say this season. Wouldn't say right now unless an injury were to happen. But I think Buster Screen is going to be the starter week one and majority of the season if he is healthy. And I think the thing with Buster Screen we saw with the Jets and why he's a little grabby. We'll have these pass interference calls. Look at the defense that he's also playing around him. Now put him into this Bears defense where quarterbacks are not going to have enough time to drop back and just kind of dissect the defense. You have Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks going after the QB. It's going to make Buster Screen's job a lot easier. So at the end of the day, the contract really helps. And the Bears had a good vision of where uh of just buster screens game and where they wanted that to be on this defense so he has big shoes to fill with bryce callahan now in denver but i think ultimately buster screen will be the guy that starts week one and the majority of the 2019 season i find myself in the middle because i can see a scenario where each kind of plays out nick i will agree i think week one you're gonna see buster screen be the guy but he like i i believe he gave up the highest pass rating in the slot last year, which, again, you talked about the surrounding defense around him. Wasn't good. Really caused some problems for him. But if he does struggle to a similar degree, and then you see a guy, of course, like Duke Shelley, and maybe he shines in training camp. Maybe he generates some buzz around him. The, I don't think the Bears, even though they put some money in screen, they're not going to be shy of taking him out and putting in Shelly, if Shelly proves that he's the better guy, or if Screen doesn't pan out and they believe Shelly can provide that defense with a spark, a little more of an edge, maybe provide that Bryce Callahan role uh, to a stronger degree. So for me, I'm in the middle. I'm going to say they're going to give Buster Screen every opportunity, kind of like Mike Glennon, right? You brought him in, you gave him a shot, didn't work out. So what did you do? You go immediately to the rookie to get him started. And I think this might be a similar situation going on here 
uh, between Shelley and Screen. Just really dependent on how the veteran hands out. I think he's going to get the uh, initial nod, and then if he can perform, great. If not, then yeah, Shelley. But I don't think Shelley's going to have the opportunity to take that away in training camp. I don't think that's And I'll say good. this to back up your guys' points, and maybe Shelley does get on the field. Ryan Pace is not afraid to throw in his draft picks to play some mm-hmm. significant minutes. I mean, just look at the past couple seasons. Obviously, there's James Daniels, Anthony Miller, rookies who played a lot last season, Bilal Nichols. Then there's uh, just a bunch of rookies that have been implemented and were now starters. Eddie Jackson being a fourth-round pick, Tariq Cohen. So he's done it before. If there's a rookie that is showcasing some abilities in camp and he feels confident in them, Ryan Pace, you know, Matt Nagy, that organization is going to put the right guys out there that they feel confident with. But I'll still say Buster Screen starts week one. I want to throw a curveball in there. <laughs> uh, I believe Michael Joseph is still on the roster. A guy from last year who played really tight coverage, really impressed, but didn't, you know, obviously wasn't quite the NFL talent ready roster type of player. What if he progresses enough that he's in that conversation? Nah. No. No. Well, I mean, you never know with these DBs. Callahan's role is a significant one, and they're going to find the best guy to replace him. But I think just right now, very early on, we haven't even done countdown to camp uh, yet. I'm going to say it's going to be Shelly and Buster Screen that are probably going to be fighting for that nickel spot. Spoiler alert. I had to do one. Oh, I thought that. Oh, no, that was you because you said we didn't do a countdown to camp yet, and you're already saying who's going to be starting. You're like already making your decision. This is true. I'm Hence sorry. the spoiler alert. All right, guys. Any final thoughts about anything that we mentioned today or anything you want to say before we wrap it up? That was fun. This Was this the first audio mailbag where you were on it, Will? Not the first ever, but oh, okay. maybe the second. I definitely don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to firstly thank everyone who submitted their question. Uh, Even if yours wasn't on today's show, make sure to keep them coming. And, of course, we'd like to thank everyone who is watching live and to our thousands of podcast listeners worldwide. We'll be back next week. Like I said, countdown to camp. I love it. It feels like once we start that series, the season is here literally in the blink of an eye. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago.